Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Well, hey again, y'all, and welcome to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we're systematically unfolding what the scripture teaches regarding what sometimes we find to be hard to understand theological topics. But we believe what the reformer John Calvin said, doctrine is rightly received when it takes possession of the entire soul and finds a dwelling place and a shelter in the most intimate affections of the heart. And here at Kitchen Table Theology, we desire to help you receive doctrine and move into your heart, not just your head. On today's podcast, we're taking a very quick break to answer some of your questions. That's right. It's a Q&A day. <laughs> it is, and I think I'm ready. Are we? Are you sure? Well, no, I'm, I'm never sure, but uh, we'll, we'll, give it, we'll give it a shot. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us back here at Kitchen Table Theology. Well, we are going to throw out some questions and we're going to see how this goes. So the first question is a follow-up from our eschatology series from a listener named Winnie. I like that name, Winnie. When Christ returns to reign for 1,000 years, where will the believers be who have been in heaven? You want to repeat it one more time? Sure. No, I'm only kidding. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm just stalling. You're I'm, killing time? Okay. I'm killing time. <laughs> So before I answer that, do you like horses? Are you a horse person? I go either way with horses, I guess. I, I appreciate those that are kind of like horse whispers and they can, you know, just put their hands and make the horse lay down and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Some horses are really, really big and they, they're kind of scary when they're really, really big. Yeah, I'm, I like to look at them and I love to watch them race, but I don't want to get up and try to drive anything that has a mind of its own. You know? No. <laughs> but, uh, the, the reason I ask you that question is because it ties in with the answer to this question. Where will believers be who have been in heaven when Christ returns for the thousand year reign? Because you may well be riding a horse in the future. That's why <laughs> I, I, I ask you. So when Jesus returns to begin his 1,000 year reign on earth, Revelation 19.14 says that the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. Mm. And, and in that same chapter earlier in verse 8, we find out that the term fine linen is defined as the righteous acts or the righteous deeds of the saints. Therefore, we can understand that the armies following Christ on white horses clothed in fine linen are believers men and women who have trusted Christ as their Savior. So these believers will return with Christ and reign with Him. And uh, Jen, Revelation 5.10 sheds a little bit of light on this. Would you read that verse for us? Sure. So, okay, speaking about believers, we read, You have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So that's talking about believers there. So we, we know also mm -hmm. that believers who were martyred, during the Great Tribulation, will be resurrected at the Lord's return to set up his kingdom. And they, also the martyred Christians, will reign with Christ for 1,000 years. And so God's people from every age of history will share in the eternal reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it, it, it's this glorious truth that really sort of leads us to pray the last 
recorded prayer in the Bible, which is come Lord Jesus. So where will we be? Let me see the question again. Where will believers be who have been in heaven? We will be returning with Christ as part of his armies. So there you go. You're going to be be riding that white horse. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully I'll I'll have some kind of skills to go along with. Hopefully I'll have some skills to go along with that. We'll have to see. Well, hey, thanks for that question, Winnie. That was that was a good one. All right. Well, our next question comes from Celia. And Celia asked, when the rapture occurs and Christ's church is taken to heaven, would it be correct to believe that it will include all children on earth and unborn babies? So let's say that one one more time so everybody gets it please? Yeah, because we've touched on kind of an aspect of this, but not the specific question. When the rapture occurs and Christ church is taken to heaven, would it be correct to believe that it will include all children on earth and unborn babies? Okay. I've never, never really thought about that before. Never really thought about where our children going to be. And I'm not, you know, and I'm thinking like toddlers, but also what about unborn children? So the answer to that question is that there is no scripture that says anything in particular about children in the rapture. But there are some scriptures that say some things about children. There are there are many in the Gospels. You know, Jesus said regarding little children, he's talking about little little children of such is the kingdom of, of what? The kingdom of heaven. And Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. And another part of the Gospels, Jesus said, these little ones are mine. So it's my personal conviction and my personal belief that in the rapture, every child that is too young to have made a conscious, conscious, willful, rebellious, sinful rejection of Christ will be taken to be with the Lord. I I believe that it would be just the same. If a little child died before he or she reached that age, that child would instantly go to be with the Lord. You know, we have a we have an example of this in Second Samuel. King David's little boy died, and I, I do remember talking about this in a previous podcast. His little boy died, and David said, "He cannot come to me, but I shall go to him." So David knew where his little boy was. He knew he was in the presence of God. I believe when the rapture happens, all the little kids that are under the age where they made a conscious, willful, sinful rebellion against decision sort of against God, where they willfully, if they were old enough to understand all that and willfully turn their back on him, I believe the Lord will not take children like that. But if they have not reached that age, if they're not able to make that sort of decision, and it's even hard to imagine a child declaring a sinful, willful rebellion you know, against God just on their own, I believe the Lord will take just take them right along with with believers. So I, I think the young children, unborn children, children who have been unable to make any sort of statement of belief and conviction regarding the Lord Jesus Christ will will be taken up in the rapture. Okay. And then do you believe then that child, that applies to children of parents who are not Christ followers? Would you put them into that same category? Is that your question or is that Celia's question? I'm following up on Celia's question. <laughs> yeah, let's just stick to the questions that have been given to us again. So do I believe do I believe that about the children of parents who are unbelievers? So yes. Yes. if you're a child and you have not made any kind of decision against Christ, but you're 
parents maybe have, would you be taken up on the rapture? Well, again, this is just my personal opinion, but I think the, I believe the answer to that is yes, that the children will be taken by the Lord. That's just, again, it's just a personal opinion because the Bible doesn't explicitly say. But, you know, Jesus said this, if anybody offends one of these little ones, and he's talking about children, it would be better for him that a millstone were hanged around his neck and he would be drowned in the sea. And he said, if anyone offends, actually the words Jesus uses in another place, he says, if anyone offends one of these, my little ones. So Jesus is talking about a loving possession, like my little children. If if you offend one of them, if you cause one of them to stumble. So I think Christ feels very much his heart goes toward them. And when he says, my little ones, that means they belong to him. And I think that they will go with him in the rapture. And let me ask another question. And this one's a hard one. What about then children who have grown past that age? They've grown past where they can or they could have made a decision against Christ. Or if they've never come to know Christ, they're still children. So what about them? Well, this gets a little more difficult because it, it does tug at the heartstrings, right? For for children who are old enough to have all the facts and decide against Jesus, I think if we're honest within the scope of the teaching of Scripture regarding the rapture, that those children will not be raptured. And we we don't really like that answer, do we? You know, some children will no longer have a parent because maybe that parent would have been raptured or those both parents could have possibly been raptured. Or maybe the child will have both parents because neither were raptured. But let's not forget this, however. Perhaps in God's grace, that child will be a part of the great revival that occurs after the rapture, that that child living in and through the rapture and and the uh, tribulation, I should say, that, that child living in and throughout the tribulation, that child may, in God's grace, come to place his or her faith in Christ. Because we know that millions of people will. It's going to be one of the greatest evangelistic seasons in the history of the world, that the tribulation period. So I, I think that's the best we can do with all of that. You know, any unregenerate children who are old enough to have made that decision, and, and I don't know where that age level is, but God does, they will be left as anyone else who refused Christ. But hopefully they'll open their heart to Christ and that, that great revival that occurs during the tribulation. And uh, if you want to know more about that kitchen table theologian, you can read about all that in Revelation 7 and in Revelation 14 as well. Okay. Well, thanks, Celia, for that question. And then thanks, Pastor Jeff, for allowing us to jump off on that a little bit. That went three different directions. (laughs) It did. It did. Well, today's last question is from Skip, and this is directly related to something, Pastor Jeff, we touched on in episode 93 on the Millennial Kingdom. And Skip asks, Reading from Isaiah 4-2 through 4-6, Isaiah mentions a spirit of judgment and a spirit of burning or purging or fire. To what spirit is Isaiah referring? Is he referring to the Holy Spirit or some other spirit? Maybe you could read those verses for us. Sure. Isaiah, what did it say? For Isaiah 4-2. Isaiah 4, 2 through Isaiah 4-6. Okay, gotcha. In that day... The branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth will be the pride and the adornment of the survivors of Israel. It will come about that he who was left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who is recorded for life in Jerusalem, 
When the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purged the bloodshed of Jerusalem from her mindset by the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning, then the Lord will create over the whole area of Mount Zion and over her assemblies a cloud by day, even smoke, and the brightness of a flaming fire by night. For over all the glory will be a canopy. There will be a shelter to give shade from the heat by day and a refuge and a protection from the storm and the rain. Okay, so great question, and I have a couple of thoughts. First of all, the word for burning in verse 4 there is also translated as purge or fire, extermination, and sifting. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a pretty broad definition to the definition that word burning. So let's just keep all that in mind. And, and let's break verse 4 down into two parts because that's the one Skip's asking about, and that, that spirit, and what is the spirit. So let me just briefly comment on each one. So the Isaiah writes about the spirit of judgment. So th- this is almost certainly because of the context of Isaiah referring to the calamities or punishment that were going to befall the nation of Israel, specifically the Babylonian captivity. So after God humbled and changed the nation and changed the people's hearts via this series of judgments, those who had been purified by those judgments are were referred to as holy. So the, the Holy Spirit, when you when you look at the teaching of Scripture on the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not represented in the Scriptures as the agent in executing judgment. Hence the word spirit here can't really be demonstrated to be the Holy Spirit. So perhaps in the Hebrew language, the best word to describe spirit as in the spirit of judgment is influence. Or, or power. Additionally, the word spirit is most often translated in scripture as wind or air or motion. Secondarily, it's translated as breathing, exhalation, or breath. So you can see none of that points us to the Holy Spirit. So, so what we see here is God's influence or him putting forth his power and life-giving energy and animating and sustaining the universe. And also as here, his putting forth any, uh, any or whatever influence he wants to in accomplishing what he wants to accomplish. And in this case, he's accomplishing judgment on Israel. So the spirit of judgment is the influence of God where he is bringing about judgment on Israel. Okay. So that explains the spirit of judgment. What about the phrase, the spirit of burning? What does that mean? Because that sounds pretty scary. Yeah. And Isaiah says, and by the spirit of burning. So the reference again is to the punishments which would be sent to purify the people before the coming of Messiah. Again, anytime kitchen table theologian, you're studying scripture, context is king. Never forget that. Context is king. So you have to look at the context, not only of those verses, but of the chapter, the context of the chapter within the book, the uh, the context of the book within the Old Testament. You have to understand Isaiah and what he was speaking to and so forth. So there's there's judgment going on in Israel in preparation for the coming Messiah. So I think to put it as simply as I can, the spirit of burning refers to the fire of God's wrath by which he's going to prove his people or purify his people. There's there's this idea of gathering into his furnace in order to separate the dross from the silver, the bad from the good. So we've got two descriptions here, the spirit of judgment. Uh, in other translations, it says the spirit of justice. And then we've got the spirit of burning. And they're, they're both very noteworthy descriptions. So judgment or justice is God's governance in action. And we all know what burning does. Burning is a procedure that eliminates 
the base and unworthy things while purifying the noble and worthy things to be free of all impurities. How do we get pure gold? It goes through the fire and it burns away all the impurities. So this conception of God as a God of justice and of fire recurs again and again throughout the Old Testament, and it passes over into the New Testament with its interpretation of the age of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So while there are senses in which the Spirit as fire is now available and at work in special ways as a the result of the perfected work of the Son of God, there are senses in which all human history has known the presence and power of the spirit of justice and the spirit of burning. And so that spirit, that work, that governance of God, as it were, blasts evil and establishes holiness and nobleness and good. So I think that's what that that verse of Isaiah 4.4 specifically is referring to. Good. Well, thanks for that, Pastor Jeff. Skip, we hope that gave some illumination to that question for you. And we thank you for that question, as well as Winnie and Celia today. And we want to say a special thank you to everyone listening here at Kitchen Table Theology. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening for if you like the show. And kindly rate us and leave us a review. And don't forget to check out today's episode show notes. You can also ask a question or two. You might get to include one of your questions in another Q&A in the future. If you ask a question, we most always, I don't think we've ever... Never left anybody out? Yeah, we've, we've always answered every question we have received. Some of them we might have had to double up on, but yeah, we've, sure. we've never ignored one of your, one of your questions <laughs> yet. Well, good. Yeah, we don't plan to, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> and as another thank you, our episodes are edited and sound designed by Danny and her team at Streamline Podcast. You can find out more about their work at streamlinepodcast.com. And also head on over to jeffcranston.com for more information about Dr. Cranston, his books, sermons, leadership notes, and blog posts. Next week, we're back with another great episode in the series. About inheritance. About inheritance. inheritance I'm looking forward to it. Great. I'm looking forward to it. We hope that you are too. So there it is. Now let's go deeper. And until next time, always remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.